Welcome to Charting the Course, the official podcast of the Hilton Group at UBS. I'm your host, Betty Galligan. Let me tell you a little bit about the Hilton Group. Established in Newport, Rhode Island by Jamie Hilton in 1991, the Hilton Group Wealth Management at UBS Financial Services is focused on serving a select number of ultra-high net worth clients who see Jamie and his team as personal CFOs, providing customized and tailored wealth management strategies. Today we're talking with Jamie Hilton, Managing Director of UBS Wealth Management. He's also a certified exit planning advisor, which is a designation that he earned from the Exit Planning Institute. Our topic for discussion today is exit planning, life after your business exit. So retirement does not have to be the only reason to exit. It can happen at any time, but you say that it's very important to plan for what the true cost of living is. The true cost of living is a, is a, can be a very complex discussion with a business owner because depending upon how they've run their business perhaps for a long time, understanding what they're going to need in terms of resources to maintain the style to which they've become accustomed prior to selling their business can be complex. For instance, and this may seem you know uh, rather simple, but if they've been using a company credit card to pay for their gas, or they've purchased all their cars through the company because there are certain tax advantages, you know, uh, in terms of expensing items to owning a car through the business or have the business own a car. You have to disentangle, I think. You have to get, you know, do some work to figure out this is actually what my budget is. And this is what it costs my family and me or, you know, my, my, my spouse and myself to do the things we want to do. And so that takes a little bit of work. The statistics would show and that's just the financial side. The statistics would show that more than half of business owners regret selling their business a year after they've sold the business. And in many times, it's more the emotional uh, gap, emptiness that they have from not being involved in their business anymore. So planning for things like that and thinking them through ahead of time is a really strong path to take and do the groundwork before you sell your business. That's a great point because I don't think business owners understand that or have a thought of, I should say, that the credit card is no longer going to be there because now you're no longer involved in that business. You have exited or you've retired in whatever in whatever strategy you've used to exit, whatever option you've used. And now you have to figure out how am I going to pay for gas? <laughs> That's a simple it, thing, it, but it may, it's true. It may seem like a very simple thing, but, but when, you, you, when you extrapolate that out across many, you know, how deeply entrenched the business owner may be in their business and their business in them, you have to make sure you're, you, you sort things out so you really get a true and accurate indication of what your cost of living is without the business. Right. Should they be planning this before they exit? So they should be transitioning their gas budget in another way? Or does that just happen when the transaction takes place? No, I think that it, you should be doing the financial planning, you know, at least a year ahead of time. When I say the financial planning work, you know, that's what we, really, we the Hilton Group, really specialize in is to help people understand what resources they need to maintain the style and quality of life that they've been accustomed to. And so part of that is working out their personal budget. And part of that is understanding 
what their wealth gap might be. Once you've figured out your budget and you understand what your current resources are, the wealth gap would be what you need to, you know, realize from the sale of your business in order to have the capital to fill in the gap of what you use to get an income from the business. So all those things you should be doing, I would say safely a year ahead of time, because you don't want to be doing those things in, in a rushed or hurried manner. And I don't think you want to be doing them off the cuff. You want to do them in a deliberate and planning manner. So the word gap to me would mean there's a difference between something X and something Y. So there's a gap, right? So do you want to narrow the gap as you go through that year or just sort of go cold turkey and don't I, I enter think, into that gap? <laughs> well, you're, you're, it sort of touches on a couple of different things. I think as you get closer to selling the business and you probably want to have, I've heard other planning experts who actually work with owners to prepare their business, who work specifically with owners to prepare the business for sale that they may want to have a year or two of financial statements that have no non-business, true business expenses in them so that a potential buyer could look at it and see, you know, here's two years of financial statements that don't have, you know, family using the credit card to pay for, you know, gasoline or whatever, you know, as an example. So you really want to do that well in advance because that's going to give you two things. You may pay more in taxes in the short term, but you may get an awful lot more, realize a lot more from the sale of the business. Plus, it also gives you a better idea of what your true cost of living is. Right. It's more reality. It's more reality. And candidly, it's going to help you get a better value for your business. Mm. That's a good strategy. And everybody wants to get more value for the business, right? I don't know of anyone who wants to get less value for what they have put into it. Now, you mentioned taxes. So... What role does tax planning play in life after the exit? I would say, you say tax planning play life after exit. I would say tax planning is critical before the exit. And tax planning, estate planning, all of you know things like that should be very carefully mapped out before the transaction comes to fruition. And in some cases, when it comes to gifting strategies, which can help mitigate the realized value of the business from a tax standpoint, that needs to take place, you know, six months or farther ahead of, before the deal is closed. So, so I would say the tax planning part is a critical component in the planning before the deal gets done. So gifting is something that you were just talking about that is for their personal family planning, for example, like, you know, well, I'll gifting. just give you an example. If, if someone owns, you know, it, it's a, it's a, it's a company, it's a, it's an S corp or a C corp and they own shares of the business and, uh, they own all that, all the shares of business are in one person's name, but it's going to be a large transaction. They may want to gift some of the shares of the business to their children. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, that helps to get that realized value out of their estate. And it may also lower their personal tax bill when the business is sold. And you need to do that ahead of time. And I think that that's especially important with the pending lowering of the estate tax exclusion in 2025. So if, if a business owner has a business that's worth more than $20 million, for instance, and they're married, 
they may want to gift some of their shares to future generations. Then when the deal gets, and they can do that at a discounted value, then when the deal is closed, the person, the people who they've gifted the shares to, they realize some of the, of the gains without being taxed to the original owner. Mm. Someone like you, who is a certified exit planning advisor, knows these kinds of strategies and pays attention to what's happening in these congressional acts that are made. But are all CEPAs, CEPAs, financial planners too? No. Uh, Some CEPAs, certified exit planning advisors, work purely in valuation. Some of them work purely in business in the transaction itself. I myself tend to work more closely in the financial planning and the financial management for the owner's personal finances. That's excellent. It's like getting two for one. You're two (laughs) experts for one and you. (laughs) Well, I would really say that my expertise tends to be more in the financial planning side and less in the business transaction side. But the good thing about the Exit Planning Institute is that there is a tremendous depth of talent with people who have specific expertise in, in the specific areas. Plus, you have a lot of contacts that you can bring to the table that are mergers and acquisition specialists or business valuations or CPAs. You, you can really pull together a great team for someone that needs it. Yeah, and in some cases, the, the business owner may already have good people you know, in their, on their team. Uh, in some cases, they may need people who have expertise that people on their team don't have. Sometimes that's a difficult conversation. But if you're trying to optimize the outcome on behalf of the owner and their family, you know, then you need to get the right people on the team. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about purpose. I know you had said that after someone exits their business, they need to be thinking about their life after the exit, right? What what are they going to be doing? So not only can they not fund their lifestyle through their business any longer, but now they need to be thinking about what are they going to physically do, right? Absolutely. It's remarkable to me how many times I've heard, you know, after I sell my business, I'm going to get a sailboat and my wife and I are going to sail to the Caribbean and cruise around for the winter. And you say, how much time have you spent sailing before? They said, well, I haven't spent any time. Uh, it's something I've thought about doing for a long time, but I haven't had time to do it. Mm-hmm. In a couple of cases, I've actually know where someone who actually tried it, and they didn't get much farther than Bermuda, if they even made it that far, realized that they didn't like sailing at all, and it was a horrible idea. And then they were all of a sudden, there what had been their dream, sort of in a, from a, uh, almost a fantasy, uh, the reality of it is it wasn't going to work. I've also talked to folks who are big golfers, you know, love playing golf. Mm-hmm. When I retire, I'm going to play all the golf I want to. It seems to me that about 13 months into retirement, playing golf three to five times a week, A, becomes physically taxing and also becomes like boring or frustrating because they thought they were going to go from an X handicap to a Y handicap <laughs> when in fact their handicap may have gone up and they've gotten bad habits and now they're really frustrated. So my experience would indicate that the idea of retiring and doing nothing is not a long-term plan. The happiest, healthiest people I've worked with over many years after their retirement are often the people who are the most engaged in any of a number of activities. 
And so I think that that's really important. And I think it's unrealistic to think that whatever your planned activities after retirement or after you've sold your business will be something new to you. It's not going to work. If it does, you're lucky. Because if you're not doing it before you retire and you're going to take up something completely new after retirement, it's a much better idea to try it on for size, get acquainted with it, start doing it, and then find out if it's something you really want to do. And once again, that can take, you know, starting to do it six months before you retire is probably not enough time if it's something you're really going to commit yourself to. Doing it for a few years ahead of time to really try it on for size is a much better idea. Mm-hmm. I know of someone that exited the business and there was not retirement. This person was on the young side, but they had an opportunity to sell. They took the opportunity. They got a nice boatload of money. And then, like you had said, was pretty bored and didn't really have a purpose because they identified so closely with their work, with their line of work, that now they had to find a new purpose. So I believe that this person is looking into consulting and trying to find another business to open. So that can happen too. I have a client who worked in a entity in Washington, D.C. that dealt with international affairs. They're close to 80. They love to travel. They're, uh, they have kids that live overseas. And he just told me that he needs to open up a solo 401k because he's been retained as a consultant to work with a, one of the international agencies as a consultant at the age of 80. Wow. And he's completely energized, and it's something that, it, to him, it's not work. But someone's willing to pay him to do it because he's very good at it. Mm-hmm. So, retire, and he'd, he's been retired for 25 years. So, retirement comes in many different forms, but I will say unequivocally, the people that I know uh, who are enjoying retirement the both, uh, most are some of the busiest people that I know. Mm-hmm. Staying busy is very important. And they're having fun. Yep, and having fun. <laughs> Is that what you're referring to as the retirement honeymoon, that period after they leave or exit their business? I think the retirement honeymoon refers to that year that golfer told me about when the first year they thought it was going to be great. And then after about 13 months, they're like, if I play more than two rounds of golf a week, I really lose interest and I get aggravated and it's not fun anymore. (laughs) I also know of another couple where the husband retired they bought a catamaran they thought they were going to do all this sailing and they did and they lived on the catamaran for quite many a few many months and then they realized how important it was to have a home base somewhere like an actual home when they had doctor's appointments and they had to get mail and do things like that where they really needed to have a a home base and not just be free like that so they had to end up building a home and I, I think that you, you bring up a good point and it goes to what we've talked about is, is you need to do some planning. You need to think it out ahead of time. You, you, and if you're not doing it or what you plan on doing after you sell the business, after you retire is not in some way associated with activities that you're pursuing now, you may be in for a, you know, unpleasant surprise. Yes. So, In conclusion, what would be the number one thing that you think someone should do when they are contemplating life after the business exit and what is next? I think the place that I would start is understand my budget, understand what sort of resources I need to live on to do the things that I want to do. I would 
begin to, if I haven't already, you know, be involved in some of the activities I intend to pursue after, after retirement. And I would become familiar with those activities or entities, whatever you're going to work in charities, or if that's your work, you know, philanthropic things, you know, start doing it before you retire. Because I think it is unrealistic. And when you look at the statistics of how many business owners find themselves really unhappy a year after they've sold their business, it's because they haven't planned it, they haven't thought it out, and they actually haven't mapped it out before they pull the trigger on selling their business. So the more work you do prior to selling the business, the higher your probability of success and happiness is after you sell the business. Stay tuned for more topics and episodes, and be sure to visit advisors.ubs.com slash the Hilton Group for more information.